everybody. Welcome to Same Team. I am your host, Daniel Trainer. Thank you so much for being here. Episode number two, baby. We're still rolling. If you listened last week and you decided to return, thank you very much. If this is your first time, thank you for being here. Hope you stick around. Uh, my interview this week is with Alex Reamer. Alex is a radio host, a sports writer in Boston. You can listen to him on WEEI. I can say that because as of this week, Alex has returned to the airwaves. Alex was recently suspended for what amounted to about five months for saying something on air about Tom Brady's daughter. Got him in a lot of hot water, including with Mr. Brady himself. Alex will tell the story, and you'll hear at the time of the recording, he was unsure about what his future in radio held. He didn't know if he was going to be allowed back. But as of this week, as fate would have it, he is back. Alex is back on the WEEI airwaves where he belongs, so I'm very happy to report that. And he's also been writing for the station's website this entire time, so check out his stuff there as well. We also talk about his appearance on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno as a kid sports reporter. We talk about Boston sports culture in general, and we also talk about what it's going to take for more professional athletes to come out of the closet. And just a couple days ago, Colin Martin of the Minnesota United of the MLS did just that. He came out. Uh, and was fully supported by his teammates, his club, and by all accounts, most of the fans. So congratulations to Colin, an incredibly inspiring story that we hope to see more of. So without any further ado, let's get to it. Here's my interview with Alex Reamer. Thank you so much for doing this, man. I'm really excited. No problem. So if it's okay with you, I would love to go back... um, can you please tell me how you ended up on Jay Leno? If you don't want to talk about this, I understand. But I am fascinated by you on The Tonight Show. Oh, yeah. Um, are, we, are we recording? Yeah. If we, yeah if we oh, free-flowing. Yeah. I like this. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was, I'm, I was I'm like 12. <laughs> I was 12, so it was, uh, you know, all of two years ago. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I used to write a sports blog. That's how I got involved with all this. I used to write a sports blog. And uh, the Boston Globe did a piece on me. This is back in 2005, the idea of this quirky 12-year-old sports blogger. And then from there, you know, I, I got on all these TV shows. The Today Show did a piece on me in August of 2005. And then The Tonight Show called and asked me to come on. And uh, that remains uh, the highlight of my life to this day. <laughs> well, it's, I must have totally missed that because had I been aware of you, there's nobody I would have been more jealous of like in the world. As, like, a fellow, like, sports nerd kid who, like, wanted to be on TV, like, I remember when I was, like, probably about the same age as you were on The Tonight Show, I used to, like, write a column for my brother's youth hockey newsletter for no reason. Like, looking back on it, it's, like, so embarrassing that I did that, but I was just, like, such a ham as a kid, just, like wanting to like talk about sports with anybody who would listen like had i seen you i probably would have just uh, i don't even know what i would have done like gone yeah i mean I'm the, i was the same way i mean i used to write a newspaper i mean i caught a newspaper it was five pages stapled together and i'd put it in the mailboxes of all my friends so at That's least you amazing. wrote for something that i'm assuming you know a couple people saw i just kind of wrote for make-believe uh so yeah i always 
I always wanted to do it. I always wanted to do it. I think mine was pretty much make believe too. But thank you for yeah. giving. Uh, thank you for. Well, giving you sounded credit. a little more official than five papers that I stapled together and put in a few friends' mailboxes. I don't know. I was like forcing this newsletter on hockey parents who were like, "Who are you?" Uh, They're watching the hockey game. They have nowhere to be for a couple hours. You know what? That's a great point. Uh, pride change lives. Um, so when you started out, so from there. Did, I mean, so from a young age, obviously, you knew that you loved this and wanted to do it professionally. What sort of steps after that did you take to uh, to do that? So around the time I started getting some notoriety with my sports blog, again, to go back to 2005, I watched me on Red Sox podcast. This guy named Sam Kooten uh, used to have a podcasting website where he hosted a bunch of local podcasts, and he wanted to build kind of a podcast empire and have one podcast for every major professional team in the country didn't nearly come close to fulfilling his goal that's quite a goal to have uh but we did have a few shows we were going for a few years so he reached out to me around that summer asked if i wanted to do a red sox podcast i said yes and i kept doing my red sox podcast um up until i graduated college so from 12 years old to about 22 23 i was doing this weekly bi-weekly red sox podcast um, and, and that was such a great thing for me to do because not only did it give me a lot of reps, obviously, but it was a great way for me to build relationships in the business. I would always try to interview sports writers, radio hosts, announcers, um, and that allowed me to build a lot of connections that I used to, uh, you know, to, to help me get internships, get work once I graduated college. And a lot of those guys, I mean, Steve Buckley, uh, who writes for The Herald, we host right. a podcast now on EEI, have our own show on EEI as well. Uh, I met him through my podcast. I reached out to him as like a 14 year old. If he wanted to come on, he did. He's also, he's also gay. So we've built a great relationship over the years and I don't know how it would have started without the podcast. So I know a long answer to a short question, but I just kept doing my podcast and kind of took it from there. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, so what, take me back. What year did that start then the podcast? So, 05, so I was 12 years old. Okay. Yeah. High, high pitched 12 year old, and I continue <laughs> it till I was a high pitched uh, 22 year old or so. I so, did it through college. Uh, yeah. So then, I mean, 2005, I mean, I'm, a, I'm trying to think back. I mean, then still podcasting wasn't that much of a thing, right? I mean, was it sort of a novel thing that you were in doing? In its infancy. Yeah. So when you're when you're growing up, did you play sports or were you always sort of looking to get at it from a writing broadcasting perspective? I, mean, I played them poorly, you know. <laughs> I struck out a lot in baseball. Maybe made a couple of baskets in my entire basketball career. Never played football, so yeah, I did kind of play sports, but my athletic career really stalled by the time I uh, reached puberty. Yeah, it's kind of the same way. I was I was good at basketball, but that's literally just because I was tall. I like didn't yeah, ha- I didn't that's have a big advantage. Yeah, like I didn't have the work ethic to like keep going. I stopped like freshman year of high school. So, you know, I uh my sports career was uh it ended early. So when you when you were doing all this, how much of a thought were you giving to the fact that you were gay? Was that something that you were scared about? Were you worried about how people were going to accept you cuz you started so young, so I imagine yes. that you know, you're sort of coming to terms with this personal thing while you're making these professional gains. I mean, what is that sort of battle like inside your head? Oh, I mean, to be honest, I didn't think about my sexuality till I really reached my senior year of high school. And I would even say got into college. Uh, you know, I was so professionally oriented 
growing up. And if I wanted to really psychoanalyze myself, maybe I was so professionally oriented because I was ooh, trying to hide, you know, my true feelings or I didn't want to face the truth. I mean, I'm sure a psychiatrist, psychologist could have a field day with me. They have. I've been in therapy my whole life pretty much. But um, uh, was I good? But uh, no, I mean, to answer your question, no, no, it, did, it never crossed my mind. Uh, you know, it, no, it never crossed my mind. Again, maybe I was so professionally oriented because I didn't really want to deal with my personal life yet or deal with the feelings that I had. Uh, I always knew I was gay for as long as I can remember, but no, to answer your question, I never thought about my sexuality and professional career. It never really crossed my mind. I wonder if you remember this, because I remember when I was a kid, sort of knowing that I wanted to sort of maybe get into sports journalism and knowing, I don't even know that I knew that I was gay, but I knew there was something different. I, I, I knew there was something happening, and it always felt like I might not be able to do it because of who I was. And I remember there was this episode of Will and Grace, stay with me, where Patrick... I've actually never seen Will and Grace. I'm like the worst gay ever. One ep you've never seen an episode of it? Not really. I mean, it's, well, that's fine. I'll give you a pass. But there's this episode, maybe start here. There's this episode that's like maybe, I don't know, season one or two or something, where Patrick Dempsey is like dating Will and like Patrick Dempsey plays like a gay sports writer or like reporter okay. or something. And I literally remember watching that and like being like, oh, like maybe I could do this. Like, Well, was, well, that's, what, well that's what Buck did for me. I mean, so right, Steve Buckley right. came out, um, I want to say in 2010, 2011. So I was, you know, junior, senior in high school, wasn't all that young still, but that, that was a cool moment. And that really showed me like, okay, you can be openly gay and be a sports writer. So yes, of course that mattered to me. But uh, no, I mean, for whatever reason, it never really, again, crossed my mind professionally. For sure. So then the coming out process for you, were you, how did you make that decision? And how did you make the decision about how you're going to go about doing it? Well, well, privately, I mean, so I came out when I was 20 years old. So five years ago, it was end of my sophomore year of college told my family, then told my friends. That was the most important thing for me. Like sure. the moment I got to college, I was just so anxious almost every night, just dreaming of the day where I'd come up with the courage to come out. Looking back on it, of course, I wish I had done it much sooner. Uh, as professionally speaking, uh, I didn't come out until uh, late 2016. So I was 23 years old. I was just starting with WEI. I was on Kirk and Callahan, the morning show over there. And, uh, you know, to be good at radio and especially to be good on that show where you delve into your personal life, you talk about social issues, you talk about politics, you go beyond the white lines on the field. Yeah. Um, in order to be as good as I could be, I came to the realization that I have to be honest. I have to be who I am and I am gay. So the second appearance on my show, uh, my second appearance on the show, Kirk Minahan, one of the hosts, asked me point blank, like we have Alex Reamer from Forbes here. Alex, is there anything the listeners don't know about you? And I said, this is my chance. Yeah. Either Wait, say it they, now or... Did they know that you were going to do this or no? They claimed they knew I was gay. I'm not quite sure how. I mean, I posted some things on social media supporting LGBT and stuff like that. Uh, they say they knew. I don't know. I don't know if they're lying or whatever. Um, <laughs> but when he, when, he, when, he asked, when he asked me, I said, I just got to go for it. So I said it. I came out, I said I was gay right there on uh, the highest rated show in Boston. And uh, yeah, I just did it and, and it became, and that was it. And it was out of the way and I could finally let it all down, which again, you, in order to be successful, I think in radio and especially on a show like that, you, you have to be honest. So if I, if I didn't come out, I don't think I would still be working 
at WEI today in a full-time capacity. It's not to say I have my job because I'm gay, but I don't think I would have been able to do it well without fully revealing who I am on the air. Wait, what, what, why? What do you mean by that? Just because you wouldn't feel like you were being your true self and you wouldn't have been doing a good right. job? Right. The key to radio is honesty. You have to be honest, right? You just yeah. have to be as honest as possible. And if I'm going to go on there and act like I'm this straight guy who's chasing women around, that's <laughs> fake. It's not who I am, you know? And, and so, and especially as I've gotten older, you know, being gay is a big part of who I am. Uh, so there's no reason to hide that. So when they asked me, is there anything they don't know about you? I made the snap decision and uh, well, the rest is history. And so what was the feedback like? Very positive. Very positive. Uh, of course, in the LGBT community, it was overwhelmingly positive. And the EI audience, too, was pretty positive. Now, I get a lot of crap from the listeners for a multitude of reasons. Um, but, you know, I do have to say that I don't see a lot of homophobic remarks, which is encouraging. I get a lot of shit for my politics. Obviously, the Brady incident, which you may or may not get into, I get a lot of crap for, uh, as, as one would expect. But uh, in terms of my sexuality, I, I don't think it's ever... It's ever been a problem. Um, and to be honest, I think it's helped a little bit too because uh, it helps to distinguish yourself. It helps to make yourself different. And there aren't many openly gay young sports talk personalities or you know young sports media personalities. So I think I, 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 I don't regret it in the least. And the reaction, uh, reaction was great for my family, friends, the community, and, and at large with my, everybody else. It, I think it was fine too. Well, help me understand Boston a little bit. Like – I've always had this strange relationship with Boston sports and even maybe just like Boston as a city in general because in my head it's, it's such a progressive place where so many things happen first and it seems to be on the forefront of so many things. But there's this just you no know, sort of stereotype undercurrent of whether it's racism, whether it's homophobia, whatever. I mean, what's the process been like in Boston? Do you, I mean, do you think Boston, had you come out in a different city, it would have been more difficult? I don't know. Uh, I mean, Boston, I think, is incredibly gay-friendly. Um, it's a great place to live if you're an openly gay person. Um, in terms of – I mean, the thing about Boston that you always have to remember is, yes, there are progressive politics here, but it still has that Puritan underbelly, you know, no public transportation past 11 o'clock at night. Uh, bars and restaurants close early. You can't buy liquor on Sundays in a lot of places here. So we still have a lot of that Puritan mentality and I think socially we are kind of a conservative city. Uh, so I, I and, and you know certainly Boston has its history with race. Um, but in terms of again the reaction of me coming out, uh, it was it was easy. I mean I, I wish I had a better story, but I, I I can't think of one instance in which I felt like I've been discriminated against professionally or personally to be honest to be honest with you uh, because of my sexuality. I, I just can't. But, I mean, that's great. I mean, obviously, to it's a great thing not to have a, a, a horror story about it. And I, I sort of feel like that's kind of been the sea change over the past, I don't know, even 10 years. I feel like there's been such a momentum swing in terms of yeah. like, gay rights, really in sports. And, and in a lot of ways, I think athletes and, and sports journalists, media members have sort of been leading that charge in a strange way. You know, sports have, you know, obviously recently gotten so political for, for other reasons, but you know, I, I think sports is a vehicle for change and people like you who are, who are, you know, discussing sports every day, I think people can really get a window into like, oh, you know, these people are just like everybody else. It, it's kind of an interesting thing. Well, it's, a, well it's, it's really a commentary on where we are as a society. I mean, it, it is more people come out, more people get comfortable with it. I saw a poll 
the other week that said something like 18% of Massachusetts residents ages 18 to 24 identify as LGBT. Wow. That's incredible to me because I went to high school, I graduated in 2011, so it's not ancient history, but to my knowledge, there wasn't a single openly gay person in my entire high school class. And wow. now you're saying that almost 20% of kids, high school, college, identify as LGBT. That's incredible to me. And, and, you, and you look at the sports leagues, I mean, on a corporate level, all of these organizations have taken a leading role in LGBT rights. Uh, I think all you know, seven professional leagues are marching the New York City Pride Parade. All yeah. but two baseball teams host a Pride Night. The Patriots have done great work here locally with the yeah. LGBT community. So you know, at the corporate level, uh, all these sports are uh, very progressive socially. I remember back, you know, maybe five six years ago when it sort of seems like professional teams were doing these Pride Nights. I remember how cool that was, and and it seemed like such a novel thing. And now even like this year, you know. If a team isn't doing one, I get right. pissed. I get pissed off. You know, it's like, what are you doing? It is remarkable, but the one thing is, and I talked about this this week with uh, I interviewed Red Sox president Sam Kennedy about Pride Night and the Red Sox efforts for LGBT inclusion. But one thing I talked about with him, and I always go back to this, is as good as it looks on the surface, there still is not an active, openly gay player in any of the major sports. And Jason Collins came out towards the end of his career. It seemed to go well for him. Uh, Michael Sam came out. He did get drafted. I don't think he was released because of his sexuality. Uh, Robbie Rogers, of course, in MLS. Uh, it seems like five years ago we were on the precipice of a breakthrough, but for whatever reason, we haven't gotten there yet. So that leads me to think, Dan, like, okay, yes, on a corporate level, all these sports are progressive. They're rallying for LGBT rights. They're you know, they're, 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 they have inclusion initiatives. But how come that isn't translating to the locker room? What is still holding these players back? So that always leads me to think, like, yes, things look great on the surface, but maybe there's something deeper there that we're still that, that still holds people back. It must, right? Because there's there's no nobody has come out. I think so. I, I think so. Do you think that there are athletes right now that are in those locker rooms on a on a daily basis who aren't coming out because oh, without a doubt. Afraid? Without a doubt. I mean, just look at statistics. Statistics tell you there are sure openly gay professional athletes. Now, there aren't as many as there are in Broadway. You know, I, I, I think we have, you know, so a selection bias here for sure. But uh, yeah, of course there are. Of course there are. There has to yeah. be. It is an interesting thing because like, you know, you're right in the sense that these, these leagues and these teams are so progressive. I do wonder what, you know, if it is just a personal thing, if these guys and girls aren't, aren't coming out for just... Uh, for fear of, of retribution of what these teams might do to them. And I don't know if it's retribution or maybe it's they just don't want to deal with the media circus. They don't want to deal with the coverage. They don't want it to define them. I don't know. But I would also say, you know, like, like let's say uh, Jimmy Garoppolo came out of the closet tomorrow. That'd be a massive story. I know, right? I'm dreaming. That's, well, you're really uh, I'm like, for the stars yeah. here, Alex. I am. Fine. I know. I should have picked an uglier quarterback. <laughs> um, but... It would be a huge story because he's a big star now in San Francisco, big market, all that. But by week one, like let's say he did it today. By week one, I mean, I don't think there'd be a media circus anymore. It would die down no matter how big the star is. So I think that gets overplayed, but there must be a reason that might be it. Maybe it's agents telling these players you want to be careful with endorsements or whatnot. I don't know. But obviously there are forces at play here or else – you know, in these times, you'd think there would be at least a couple uh, active openly gay athletes in, in, in the major sports leagues. Well, then I wonder, too, if one guy comes out, if the uh, if the floodgates just open. Right. I mean, because Jason Collins, you know, I think was a big step, but he was at the end of his career. So he didn't do it 
for the prime of his career. Yeah, I think in order for that barrier to truly be broken, there needs to be somebody in the prime of his career, no doubt about it. Do you feel like you've had to work harder because of uh, being gay in, in the sports world? No, I, I, I've never felt that. Now, are there some people out there who say, oh, this Alex Reamer, he's a you know, 25-year-old kid getting regular time on you know, a legacy sports station like EEI. He's on Kirk and Callahan, their highest rated show. He's writing for their website. He's so young. Oh, yeah, he just got it because he's gay. Yeah, I see those tweets from time to time. Maybe maybe some people also in the media, you know, in the media world feel that way, but I don't care because I know that's not the case. I know that's not why I'm there. Uh, so no, I I don't feel like I have to prove anything because I'm gay. No, I don't. You mentioned the Tom Brady thing. Can we get into that for a second? Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, do you want to tell the story? Uh, I mean, sure. It's uh, I'm sure all your listeners know about it. it was the biggest story in the country for a couple of days. It was bigger. It, it happened the same day that uh, Andrew McCabe uh, resigned from the FBI. And I was a bigger story. <laughs> Congratulations, Alex. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just an example of being a, of being a shithead, you know? So you're always, <laughs> taught to, you're, always, you're always taught to be provocative, right? You want to be provocative. Sure. You want to push the envelope. You want to go as far as you can. So I'm doing a night show on our station. Uh, the Tom vs. Time Facebook documentary is just released. And the opening scene has a clip of Brady with his kids. And, you know, they're yelling and screaming, you know, rough jumping around like young kids do. And, you know, me trying to be the contrarian asshole, I'm asked on the air. So, hey, Alex, what would you think of the documentary? And everyone all day is saying what a nice look it is into Brady's personal life. We see him with his kids. So I'm saying, how can I be the one guy who pisses all over this party, who says no? The kids, that was, you know, it's not good to see him with the kids. It's all fake. You know, deep down, they're dark, they're disturbed. Let's take this next level. So it just blurts out. You know, I, I call his daughter a pissant. And then uh, and then the funny thing is, I did that on a Thursday night. Didn't really gain major traction until Brady responded Monday morning. So I was in Minneapolis, ready to cover the Super Bowl. Tom Brady hangs up with us, and then I'm sent back and all hell breaks loose. So, you know, it's it's a, to say it's a learning experience would be an understatement, uh, but it's an example of obviously you need to think before you speak. Um, and, you know, again, it's just knowing where that line is and knowing that uh, sometimes you just got to be honest about it. You know, I mean, did I honestly, was I honestly annoyed by Brady's jubilant five-year-old daughter? Of course not. How could any human being be legitimately annoyed by that? So it's just an example of trying too hard and trying to and trying to be intent and just and just not knowing where to be honest where to turn it on and off so uh but you know that's that's what happens it's live radio and uh you know fortunately for me in that instance uh there wasn't much of a safety net you know you always have to ask yourself what's the risk reward here right so that line me calling brady's daughter a pissant like okay that's not funny it's not a funny joke like you didn't laugh when i said it uh so no one's gonna think it's funny no one's going to agree with that take and go, ah, that's right, you know, F this little kid. So, okay, I've just called out a five-year-old on live radio, and it wasn't funny, and no one's going to agree with my take. Like, what was the risk-reward here, you know? So, it, so it's, it's all about, again, just knowing when to pick your spots. So it took, like you said, it took a few days for anything to happen, right? So you probably didn't think there was any sort of issue. And then what, Brady's doing an interview with you guys and he hangs up because he's upset about it, right? Oh, no. I, I felt like I was getting off easy. So I did it on Thursday night. Uh, Kirk and Callahan briefly discussed it the following morning. And it's amazing. That entire weekend, Dan, I got, I, I want to say, tens of thousands of tweets 
with people. Uh, what are you doing? How can you still have a job? I mean, the vitriol was unbelievable. Like nothing I've ever seen in my life. While that's happening, I mean, how is there a part of you that's like, yes, this is exactly no. what I want? Like, are you are you do you enjoy no. that people are at least sort of engaging? Not with that. No, 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 that because I, I was like that. This could be a career render, and frankly, it almost was. Uh, might still be. I don't know. I'm still not back on the air yet. Five months after it happened. So. Uh, yeah, no, I, I did not enjoy it at all. Uh, Barstool wrote about it late that Friday afternoon. So it picked up more life from then and all weekend. I'm just getting pounded with tweets, but then Sunday night came around. I was getting ready to go to the Super Bowl. I had not been suspended indefinitely yet. The plan was I was going to apologize and get back to work that Monday. Uh, and then of course, Brady does his thing and, you know, intercom had no choice but to send me home and and bench me for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, what what do you think your uh, your future holds there? I don't know. I'm, I mean, I've been writing for their website, you know, back in that role since March. Uh, you know, podcasting. I do a public affairs show now. I feel like my stint in purgatory is coming to an end. By the time this episode airs, I may very well be back. I feel much better about my situation now than I did probably even a month ago. There you go. Um, well, that's good yeah. news. We need you back out there. I, I agree. Here, here. I love it. Well, Alex, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much. Sure, Dan. Anytime. All right, there you go. Alex Reamer. Thank you to Alex very much for the time. Uh, check him out back on the WEEI Airwaves. Also check out his work on WEEI.com. And listen to Alex's podcast, Two Outs, with the aforementioned Steve Buckley. Uh, it's great. Thanks very much for listening. Appreciate the time. See you here next week.